those who are in darkness have seen a great light. Now, sometimes I think that it feels like the further we go in this, the worse we look to ourselves. And, uh, I won't say to each other. Uh, I think it's because the Lord wants to bring us into light, in the kind of light where there's no darkness at all. And that can be real revealing. I remember working at Service Master, we'd get calls that they wanted they weren't happy with the cleaning service. Of course, we cleaned at night, and I'd go in in the daytime. <laughs> You'd see the sun streaming through the dirty windows, all the handprints on the glass doors, and all that. I think this looks like a mess, but it looked fine last night. Uh, we've asked God to, for the brightness of His coming in each of, of us, and uh, sometimes that makes things seem uh, obvious, more pronounced, but that's good. That's a good thing. Yeah. Brother Buddy used to say, when you make a fancy embroidery thing, yeah, he said you put it on a black background, it stands out. And, uh, so what God has for us today, we invite. Okay, we're not uh, fleeing from His presence. We found out that doesn't work as well. Not recommended, especially if you don't like spending time in the belly of the great fish. Uh, and different things cause us to run different ways. This morning, Lord, we invite your presence in our midst, Lord. Holy Spirit, Lord God, would uh, order our thoughts aright. Lord, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily encumber us, Lord God, and let us seek you with a whole heart today, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I can start off by um, saying something that's been a burden on my heart. And um, that is having grace for ourselves and grace for each other in the process that we're in. Um, I, I can look across the room and know that we're all carrying burdens for people, for ourselves, for our families, big ones. And um, we can kind of get a little stuck in not realizing that others are walking through things that we don't know about. And we need to offer that grace to each other and just as strongly offer that grace to ourselves. So what I want to start out this morning by singing Amazing Grace, so we're going to do an acapella. And ask us all to shut our eyes and really listen to the words that we're singing. Oh 
can find their seats. Thank you. Obviously, our hearts are so grateful for this great salvation, for this Lord that there's a verse that uh, comes to to mind all the time. He says, "What is man?" Yet he did come for us. Yet he did he give his life for us, and uh, so we're very grateful for that. Last Sunday I was uh, connected with a brother in a group that I originally came from, a city that is not much in the news nowadays, right in the border with with the United States, right across from El Paso, Texas. And uh, the brother we're talking about, uh, one of the brothers was saying, uh, what happened? He said, uh, we used to be about 50, 60 people here every Sunday. He said, and after the pandemic, he said, look at that, how many are we now? And they counted and said 12. Wow. Only 12 were there. And uh, he was asking himself, said, how come? How come they, where are they? And uh, I was reading also an article last night about the same thing in the churches in the United States. After the pandemic also, they said they lost a lot of people. And, and one of the folks that was writing there, a pastor, he said, uh, these were committed people. They were engaged with the church and they're not here, what happened? And uh, I remember that when, uh, when I was a young man and I was in school, there was a saying at the school, this was an engineering school, that he said, if you pass the first year, you'll make it to the third year. Now, in those days, there were five years, five years to, to graduate. He said, if you pass the third year, you already are an engineer. But the truth of the fact is that the first year, lots of people drop out. But my only salvation, at that time, I, that wasn't my goal, to become an engineer. But what saved me is that I had some friends, they were very good students. And when we were in high school, we studied together. So once we get there, he said, you got to study. You got to stop doing what you're doing. But, so they helped me out and I was able to to make it to the second year. Now the reason they said that is because uh, as the years went by, for whatever reason, people just didn't continue. So that at the end, there were very few. And uh, I was thinking about that uh, because uh, I'm not trying to judge anything or come up with any reasons, but <coughs> the convention that is right now taking place at Bonesville. I don't see many people there. And I remember when I used to live there, Adela and I used to live there, 
We got there in 1978. And I remember uh, at this time, conventions of 1,500 people. I also remember that when I, I came into the fellowship in Mexico City, actually at the same meeting last Sunday, there was a lady there, precious lady, and uh, she said, um, she said, how you doing? I said, I'm doing fine. She said, I'm 93. She said, and I was thinking that 50 years ago, you and I came to the fellowship in Mexico City. I thought, wow, that was a long time. Long time ago. And so I was thinking about uh, what happens then. Because we're trying to now this time to uh, also buy awards, buy life to tell the ones that are coming behind us is worth, this is something that has value. Actually, in my case, I don't think there's anything else that has as much value as this. The Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation has brought to our lives. And uh, there's a verse that that Brother John Henson used to talk about it, and this is in uh, Matthew 13. We had talked some about the prodigal's story, and I think in that case, neither one of them value what they had. in different ways, different ways of expressing it, yet they did not value. And, and of course, the story tells us that the valuable thing there was the father. Everything else came second. And neither of them saw that. And so in a chapter 13 of a Matthew, verse 44. So again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Brother John used to say that was the church and also this Lord that came to us. But as you can see in these two things, in these two stories, to this man, to this merchant and to the other fellow, what they found, it was so valuable to them that they went and sold everything they had. Everything they had in order to get this, this thing. I was telling you about when we first came into the fellowship, we used to meet, if I remember right, 
We used to meet Sunday, Wednesday, and Friday. And uh, Mexico City is a big city. And uh, everybody obviously had jobs. Everybody went to school. But you know, we didn't think twice about going to, to church. Like this morning, all I did to come here, get up on time, and we were late because <laughs> to get up because Adele has a new phone and somehow it didn't work out. And, but anyway, we're here. But there's some people that have to come earlier and cross the, the river on boat. I'm sure it was a chilly ride. So they paid, in a sense, more than I did to come here. And the reason we went to the meetings is because we value what we found there. Uh, while we were singing, while we were listening to the preaching, we didn't have great preachers, but we had the Holy Spirit. And the Lord was there, and it filled our hearts. And it gave us, it gave meaning to our lives. And in my case, I used to catch a ride with some neighbors, uh, grandparents of uh, Monica, and her father, I used to carry him, carry him after the meeting because he fell asleep. He was probably a year old maybe, or something. And, and so we have to go a 40 minutes ride to this house where the meetings took place. And then the meetings were long and we'll come back through the city, back to, the, to our place and carry this boy four flights, four uh, stories to his house. And then I, I go to school at 7 a.m. in the morning, but to get to the university, I'll take me about 45 minutes to get there. But it didn't mean anything to us. Why? Because we were in love with the Lord and with the fellowship. We have found a pearl of great price. But you see, we still have that. The pearl is still valuable. And so there's a parable And I think it's in most of the Gospels, it's Mark 10. All of, see, the things that all of us know all these stories, we've been around for a long time. But I think what uh, our children, now our grandchildren, are looking at is, is there a father? One thing that attracted me to the Lord Jesus at the beginning was he was not religious. He was a nonconformist. The Campus Crusade for Christ, in order to attract young folks, came up with this drawing where you looked at him. They looked more, and also they call it a revolutionary to attract people, young people. Now when I looked at it, it looked to me more like a Che Guevara than anything else. Uh, the way, you know, the drawing and everything. Uh, 
and then the, the, the I mean, the revolutionary, and, but one time I'm talking to these folks, I was not a Christian then, and they were telling me, and I said, hey, what are you doing for the country? And they didn't have an answer. They were not doing anything from my point of view. And so this figure didn't attract me. But when I, when the Lord came to me, what did attract me that he was not a religious fellow. And as you read the scriptures, you'll find that out. And the worst thing that it happened to us is we become religious. It will become conformist to, to life. Instead of seeing the value of the pearl and the value of the Lord that is, is leading us in ways that we never dream of. And also will help us not to judge others. You see those folks that are not coming to the group in, there in Juarez, we cannot be too hard on them. And the fact that we used to meet 1,500 at the convention, now there are I don't know how many, we cannot judge that either. Only God knows. Some might be serving somewhere else. We don't know. And something that somebody mentioned that I, I didn't agree at all with, is they said, well, because God is not interested in quantity, but in quality. But you know that's a double-edged sword. I mean, quality? You're talking about me, quality? I cannot see that. So that's not the answer, <coughs> by any means. Uh, and so, but yet, we still have to read what the scripture says about if this love is something temporary, is this seal something that only lasts for so long? Is it that we get accustomed to it and so that's what we do, you know? It's like, like a, a policeman, what he does, he's a policeman. And so what I do, I'm a Christian. I'm a commentarian. I'm a Wystonian. So this is what I do. But where's the fire? You see, because if this Lord is real, if this God is real, then there has to be something here in my heart. I'm also sometimes hesitant about what is our goal? And then somebody said, well, our goal is to, uh, to manifest Christ. Do our children understand that? Do I understand that? Do I know what that means? Am I looking at something way out there in the distance that nobody can see, that I myself can see? Or am I talking about something here that is changing? inside and making me a different person than I was. And we call that the new man coming forth 
in me because it's there. And, and uh, so that the reason the Lord Jesus Christ came to this earth to redeem us was to redeem us from, from this life that is not life and to give us a new life. But the problem with this new life, it has to be visible. And am I crying for that? Am I saying, Lord, I know I'm not there. I know I don't measure up, yet I want to. Here I am. It's like David sometimes tells us, you know, here I am again. What else can we do? There's a song in Spanish a very anointed song that says, uh, I come just as I am. Uh, similar to the, to the song that they used to sing with Brother Billy Graham. And some of the folks there at the farm reacted to that and they said, no, you cannot come like that. And I, I said, how else can we come? <laughs> how else can you come? You can't wait until you're perfect to come. You'll never get there. But we come just like we are. And we come to the Lord here, here I am again. Because we know there's mercy there. We know there's uh, uh, mercy there. But more than that is he is there to help us to get to where we are supposed to go. And it doesn't mean either that someday we're waiting for some event, but rather, Today, I need today that event in my life. I need today to see what I don't see. <coughs> I need today to value what is valuable. And so in Mark 10, there's something that all of us know. But we're still going through it. 10.17. Now he was going out on the road. One came running, knelt before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I might inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, Teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. I couldn't have said that, you know. Actually, I don't know that many that could have said that. Maybe some might, but obviously, I don't see that Jesus rejected that. There was some truth to it. Then, but listen, he said, then Jesus, looking at him, loved him. Wow. That's the kind of Lord we are after. That's the kind of Lord that has come into our hearts. I mean, he knows he hasn't measured up. He knows him up. Who was reading that? That uh, psalm, I think it was Rene reading that psalm 139, and, and 
And, and the scary thing there, he says that he knows our thoughts. Can you imagine that? He knows our thoughts and he still loves us. He knows what we're going to say before we say it. And he still loves us. So he said he loved him. He loved him because he came and asked a question and he was honest. Even though he was not telling the whole story, not because he didn't want to, but because that's why he saw himself. He saw himself as a, as a man that had fulfilled all the requirements. Yet he had done that while there was still something in there that wanted more. Otherwise, he wouldn't have come to ask for, what can I do to inherit eternal life? And you know what? Because there's no fulfillment and fulfilling all the commandments. There's no satisfaction in doing everything right. There's no satisfaction in fulfilling the schedule you're given of following all the orders that are here that I don't know all of them. You might, because you have grown here. I don't know what the specter of me, but the spirit is here. And so, <coughs> he was not satisfied. He wanted more. So he comes to the only one that can give him the answer. See, so if you have done everything and you're still not satisfied, go to the true source. Go to the man that can help you. Go there and ask him, what else can I do? And so he said, what can I do? I've done this all my life. I was born here. I went to school here. I grew up here. I've been to all the openings. I've done everything that I, I work at a business. I have helped the business to get going. Um, yet, what else can I do? Why? Because these things will not fill us. It will not bring any fulfillment when the heart is looking for something else. There has to be some love there in our heart for the Lord and for the salvation that He's brought forth. It has to be more than a community. If the Lord is only subject to this community, we are in trouble. If the Lord is only containing this move of God, then we're in trouble. If that's a whole vision, a community, a move, then there's trouble in the land. No, we're not after that. Those things, as important as they are, they are secondary. The important thing is the Lord Jesus, is the salvation, is this God that has found us when we're blind, when we're lost, and now we can see, now we're found. But, so he comes and tells him, I've done everything since I was a little boy. So don't tell your children that the greatest thing is this community. 
But the greatest thing is this move of God. That's not true. All of that is a, a sad result of following a living man. To the world, that's a crazy idea. A man that 2,000 years ago died and he's still alive. Doesn't make any sense. But the believer knows that is true. And so he said, uh, then Jesus, Jesus looking at him, loved him. I really like that. He loved him. And so we're called to be like that. So he said he loved him and said to him, one thing you lack, go your way. Sell whatever you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. You will have the pearl of, of great price and come. Take up the cross and follow me. But he was sad at this word. You see, the word of the Lord is not always pleasant. We use phrases that we say, that was a great word. Well, this was not a great word. <laughs> oh, what a word. Yeah. This young man couldn't say that. Because you know what? Sometimes the word of the Lord is hard. Actually, most of the time, it's hard. You know why? Because it's asking something we cannot do. You see, the Lord, when he said that, he knows what this fellow's thinking. He loved the man, and he knows what he's thinking. But he has to tell him. He has to tell him what's coming ahead. And he said, but he was sad at his word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So the things he had, he valued greater than what Jesus was offering. What he had was more valuable to him than this hard word that was given. And uh, I suspect that at times that happens, I value more what I think, what I, what I see, what I believe, and what the Lord is saying. Whether it's through the scriptures, whether it's through a preaching, through a prophecy, through a song, and I hear it, and I just think, no. And so I keep what I possess, because to me it's more valuable. And so he said he went away sorrowful. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. I used to love this, uh, this scripture because I had different ideas. 
And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. Some other versions, uh, what they imply here is that he was, what he had uh, gave him safety. And, and, and so he couldn't see ahead of that. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, with men, it is impossible. And so we have come to the conclusion after so many years that what he requires of us is impossible to do. And so when you run into that, the first step in God's way, you run into anything, whatever you, you can think of, you have run into it during this process that is impossible to do, you will be right. It is impossible to do. With men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God, all things are possible. So there's, there's the answer for us on whatever you face, whatever your doubts are, whatever you're stuck, whether you feel you are not going forward, whether like David, uh, like uh, Gabe said the other day, he said sometimes he gets discouraged when he sees that. There's some words that uh, I always remember. There's a, there's a message by Brother Sam that is called... Uh, principles instead of laws. And there's a point in the message where he, he cries. And he said, you forgive me. You forgive me. I see some little effort. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand his tears of this grown man. I couldn't see what he was seeing, but now I see it in myself that after so many years, and I sometimes I get frustrated too, and I said, what? <coughs> but I need to remember, yes, it is impossible for me. And I to remember that scripture says that both to will and to do belong to him. This man said, uh, that word is hard. Thinking about will, not William, but will. Sometimes, uh, I wonder how true that is. 
You see, I never got a word from the Lord or a leading to come here. Never did. And the Lord knew that. You know, he knows how to deal with us. He knows how to, he knows exactly what he is going to do with this fellow. He knows exactly what he's doing. Because he knows us perfectly. He made us. He said, all right. I know what I'm going to do. And guess what? We used to sing a song a long time ago. He said, he never compel us to go, to go. Never compel us to go. He just make us willing. But you see, that's not even true. Because sometimes we're not even willing. And then suddenly we find ourselves somewhere else. And then we say, yes. Just like it's in the scriptures, a lot of things, when they get there, they say, it was the Lord, and I did not know it. Can you say that? Yeah. Have you gone through some things like that? You end up there, you said, it's the Lord, but I just didn't know it. It's good to recognize that when, when you know it's the Lord and say, yes, it is. This young man couldn't see that. I don't know why the Lord didn't say that to him, to say, well, listen, I know it's too hard for you, but, but we can do it. There are a lot of mysteries there. So with men it's impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. And now, here comes uh, something that we always do. Or I always do. I shouldn't say you do, because maybe you don't do it. Then Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. And you know, there are many instances in the scripture when it appears that he is not listening. <laughs> Have you seen that? In many, many scriptures, he just doesn't listen, doesn't care. At least that's what I read here. The key there, he says, began. That means he didn't finish. See, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there's no one who has left house or brothers or sister, or father or mother. This next word is not appearing in all the manuscripts. Wife is not there. It's only brother, sister, father, or mother. I always wonder about that anyway. <coughs> or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. We have to read carefully because I haven't seen that that often. <coughs> and also you will have to be careful with that. You know, when you get to be religious, you do a lot of things that are right. And you said, the Lord said. Some did leave their wives. And I didn't see any benefit on that. Some did leave their husbands to go to the wilderness. I didn't see anything good there. Perhaps I shouldn't judge, but it's not saying that you leave 
father and mother in that sense, even though some of us did it. I did, and it took my father a long, long time to realize I didn't have a plan to leave him. This was one of those things that against my will, against my plans, against my desires, the Lord plucked me out of there. And in a matter of one week, I was in another country, in another culture, in another town, in another way of doing things. And at night I would cry and I would say, what am I doing here? What am I doing here? And I did see some of what it says here. I did receive a hundredfold, but sometimes we don't see that. But that's what it's telling them. It says you do that, and why would they do that if it wasn't for following something that they thought it was more valuable? And brothers and sisters and mothers, children and lands. Yet again, when we read that, we forget there's a little word that says with persecutions. Wow. And finally, in the age to come, eternal life. So, I think we can uh, say that if there's anything seen in us of the new man, what have caused that is the bad times. Not the good times. Not when everything has gone our way. Not when everything has been all right. It's been when you go through difficult times. You can see it in the openings. That's why it says persecutions. When you go through those hard times, when you come to the place where you know it's impossible. David said it very clearly, no might. When you come to that place and you see the Lord coming to your help, the Lord helping you out, the Lord changing you, there's growth there. And so when people come and see that, they see that as a result of the difficulties. So that when I think of all the low places I went through <coughs> these years, I realized those times were my salvation. I have a letter. I don't know if I still have it, but I got a letter a long time ago 
from the same group that I grew up with tell me I wasn't welcome to go back there. You know what? That was my salvation. Because God was after something there. If I concentrate on the letter, then I get bitter. Now, I'm sure those folks don't remember that. And I'm sorry I still remember it. But I know they helped me to grow. Through the pain, through the surprise, through the anger, through all of that. Yet, here I am. Thank to the Lord that I helped me to go over that. I don't know if I'll get any more letters like that. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> but this lady was saying, we came together in 1973 in Mexico City. And I thought, God has been so good to us. The Lord was so great when we were singing this morning. I was lost, now I'm found. I was blind, I see. I could see perfectly that. When I was 18, 19. You know, there's something worse than being lost, is to be indifferent. I was indifferent to the Lord. To me, that was poor people that still believe in myths and things like that. But you see, the only thing that can be shown now is that there's a fire there. There's something there. And so like this man, he said, he found a pearl of great price. And he went and sold everything he had. The young man couldn't do that. He valued more what he had than the, what was being offered to him. The Lord loved him and told him, look, this is what you need to do. He went away. Then Peter said, well, I, look, I've done all of, I have left all of this to follow you. What, am, what is it there for me? Have you ever asked yourself that question? You know, some things that happened in, in the overall move didn't happen here, but some people sold everything and went out into the wilderness. So when they got to the age of 65, they didn't have any, any social security, nothing. Nothing because they didn't put any money into the system. Same happened in the farm in Mexico. While I was there, uh, we didn't have anything. We didn't, we didn't put any money into the system. So how things work? So some of us did go through this and ask the Lord the question, what now? Maybe nobody here did. But some of us in other areas of the move, we did ask that. I said, wait a minute. What do I have now? Something my father worried about it. 
He came to the farm, Mexico, showing the, the fields, the cows, the houses, everything. And he said, is anything of this yours? It's <laughs> a good question. And if it's not yours and you're still here, why are you here? Obviously, this particular place is in a different shape now. If you go, you at least you don't go with empty hands. But this is yours. Brother John Henson used to say that one day he went to this place, and they showed him the whole place, and then when the meeting came, he said, well, I see that you have very nice houses and you care for them very nice. He said, but I see that the communal things are not well taken care of. And that tells me something. You see, when you believe these things are yours, then you take care of them. I've been in a lot of communities. I lived in, what? four or five communities we have lived. And I tell you what, it's been a battle to keep things that are communal in good shape. That doesn't say much about us. In Mississippi, this brother had a, this, a list there, and he called it the what? The, I can't remember what, a end time order or Holy order of the tool shop or something like that. And I can't remember the exact words, but we have to, when we, it's time to go to work, we'll come to the, to the tool shop, get a tool, then they will write down our name, and then we'll go and work, and at the end of the work, we'll have to come back, and it had to be clean and in good order, and you'll return, and I said, okay. <laughs> if you wanted to use the, the table so you have to read the manual and they will come in to make sure that you knew how to use it before you use it and all kind of things he had there nobody liked him <laughs> but you see if this place is yours if this place is mine, I'll take care of it. If I see a little piece of paper on the road, I'll pick it up. If I break something, I'll say I broke something. If I lost something, I'll say I lost it. A couple of chapters after this, chapter 12, verse 28. See, what I wanted to, to share is that 
as a result of God coming to us, as a result of him coming to get us out of where we were, as a result of offering us a life that we couldn't have before, something has to happen in here that responds to that love. And what happens to us is there's love also that is there. Then one of the scribes came, 28th verse of the 12th chapter, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he was, okay, he comes and asks him, this fellow's not, he just asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandment is, commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And so what he's saying is the first thing we got to do as Christians, to love him with everything we got. And the second like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than this. Now, so he answers and tells him that uh, this fellow doesn't seem to, to really be wanting to, to go with the Lord. But anyway, he asked the question. Now, when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom, but after that, no one dare question him. And so all of us know these scriptures, you have read them, you have memorized them. There is a twofold thing. Love the Lord and love you, brother. Of course, in theory, it's easier to say I love the Lord because nobody knows if you really do or not, except you. But to love you, brother, you, brother, will know. Right? It's difficult to to understand that after so many years, the Lord will still speak to us, love your brother. I mean, isn't he patient with us? Long suffering. But the fact is that it's something impossible to do. One of uh, Adele's favorite phrases here, we're different. But you know, we're so different from each other. We are. It's just, they're just not too alike. It's just not too alike. Husband and wife don't know each other. 
Now, I know some don't want to accept that, but it's the truth. We just don't know what's deep inside there. But the Lord knows. And then he tells us, we got to not just accept each other, not just get along with each other, not just tolerate, but he said we are to love each other. You know, love is a word that has become so cheap. But if you think about it, it's something really beyond a reach. There are many beautiful songs, secular songs that talk about love. But when I hear them, they sound nice, but that's, that's not what I'm after. I'm after that that is impossible to get to, but possible by the one that called me to do that. And so we read that and we say, yeah, and we have explained what is the heart, soul, mind, strength, all of that. And yet, when I still read, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, there's still something there that I think, how can I do that? Love my neighbor as myself. How much do you love yourself? Just a little bit? How much do you love your opinions? Just a little bit? And he says, with the same intensity, with the same might, strength, you got to love your neighbor. Even though he's so different from you. So he tells him, you got to do that. And then, uh, okay, let's see now. First Corinthians twelve thirty one, there's but earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet I show you a more excellent way. And then it goes into 13 chapters. So there's a more excellent way, which is what we're looking for. And the more excellent way is what I want. At the end of that chapter, he said, And now abide faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of this is love. 1 John 4, somebody was talking the other day about uh, that uh, when we talk about the cluster, and it must have been Brother Bill or somebody said that uh, 
We still love more our own family than the God's family. Now there's some, uh, there's some mystery there because the, the Bible uh, obviously tells us to, to love our wives, to love our children. I mean, you, you see through the whole scripture and exhort us to, to do this, do the other with, it, with your family. And then this, the overall vision of God's family, of, of the Lord's body. And that's why Brother John Henson used to talk about the pearl because he said the pearl was the body of the Lord Jesus Christ and that you come and you, and you value that. And so there's a balance there, but the truth is still there that we have not gone beyond that. We still love our family, natural family, more than, is, is that only true in my side of the family? We still do more for our natural families. Am I saying too much? <laughs> Somebody calls me up and I'm tired. So I'm like, Could you come with and help us with this? I might say, well, I don't think so. Maybe tomorrow. <coughs> But if Kira calls <laughs> before the end of the call, I'm already out going to what she needs. So that tells me I'm not there yet. Well, <laughs> <laughs> He's taking us to something that is impossible, yet he's calling us. And the goal is to today, not tomorrow. You see, we postpone everything for tomorrow. For everything is when the so-called manifestation of the sons of God, then we're believing in the rapture. I don't believe in the rapture. I believe today is when I need you help, Lord Jesus. Today when I disagree with these brothers, when I need you to be here with me. Today when I'm losing hope, when I'm doubting the whole thing, that's when I need you. Not that day that, anyway, that day the disciples been waiting since 2,000 years ago. They thought it was going to come right away. Read the scriptures, they were waiting for it something that was going to have happened while they were still alive, and it didn't. 2,000 years have gone by. We're still waiting for that, but we need to wait today 
And so, 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. No other reason. Doesn't even mention the body of the Lord. Doesn't even mention that we are one body. Doesn't even mention that, that we are the Lord's temple or anything like that. It's, it just says, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through Him. So once again, you cannot do this unless you do it through Him. We can only live through Him. In this is love, not that we love God, but He loved us and sent His Son to be the Propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And so, if the first part is true, then the second has to be true. And so, you see, this is bigger than Western bigger than the move of God. Mm -hmm. This is God himself speaking to us, saying, look, this is what I did. So now I'm asking you something that you cannot do, but I'll be able to do it in you. We also have to love one another. Well, we run out of time, but you read uh, Isaiah 58, it will tell you also. Uh, sometimes we think we're doing something we, we think is right, yet it's not right. There's something else is requiring of you and me. But I really thank the Lord He has called us to do something that is impossible. Otherwise, we'll go for it, and at the end, it will not be what He wants of us. But because it's impossible, you have to realize that. I choose my own friends. I choose who I fellowship with. I choose who I like and who I don't like. And that's not fulfilling the vision. But you cannot, you and I cannot do otherwise. That's our nature to do so. Okay, I get along with this fellow, but with this one, I don't. I like the way this brother is. I don't like this. Okay. But now, we have to go beyond that. Right. We cannot do so. But the somebody, the one that is calling us, is also the one that will enable us to do so. And as long as we don't do that, we'll be sure of what he has called us to do so. Remember when the man comes and he sees him coming, he knows what he's thinking, he knows what his answer would be, yet he said, 
He loved him. Even though he knew he was not going to follow, he loved him and he gave him the answer. He said, look, this is what you can do. And then you have eternal life. The love was still there. Even though the answer says he went away sad. Because he loved other things more than what he was being offered. I done that, you done that, but now we can come back and say, here I am, just as I am. God bless you. Thank you, Brother Abel. It's a good weightiness and sobriety in the air, but I, I'm glad that Brother Abel is messing with us. And maybe glad isn't the right word. I'm thankful. Uh, <clears throat> you know, the one thing to keep in mind is that the Lord is more serious about this than you and I are. So... Uh, we're talking about a finishing work. I hope we all understand that. Um, and uh, what Brother Abel is talking about, he's, he's getting after us in any place where we're not genuinely dealing with the Lord with what he's doing with us. And the Lord is very serious about us being genuine, the genuine artifact. Um, and, you know, I was thinking how thankful I am that when we do find ourselves in places of indifference, that the Lord brings along whatever is needed to get us out of those places of indifference. And usually it is painful things. It's not just a party. But we have a Father that is serious about us getting a hold of this. And <clears throat> He's serious about it, people realizing that uh, the only thing we can do is hold on. I mean, that's... I hope you walk away from this this morning and you and you have no desire to quit in your heart. You have a desire just to call upon God. There's nothing else to do. Lord, I see where I've been. I see what I am. I know my faults. I, I see a lack that seems to grow larger, not less. But I'm going to call upon you once again. And it says he's rich to all those that call upon him. So take encouragement with that because the Lord is, uh, it is absolutely an inside job. And we have, as Brother Abel said, a Lord that looks upon us and the intention of God is to get us home. Looked upon him and loved him. I like that line. Take that line with you today. If you don't take anything else home, take that with you.